Headline Hollywood. Entertainment cronies and cinema elitists hand out awards for excellence in moving pictures. Sometimes the winners don't hold up to the test of time, so we're here in the future to tell them how they got it wrong. This is Switch the Envelope. Welcome to Switch the Envelope, the podcast that aims at rewriting Hollywood Award history. My name is Corey. And my name is Jeff. How are you doing today, Jeff? Corey, as always, I am super excited tonight. <laughs> Why is that, Jeff? I'm excited because we've got a wonderful guest with us here. The guest that we have on tonight is a very uh, prominent podcast documentarian, Adam Roach. And he resides in London, or at least in the UK. And he is the host of the very popular Secret History of Hollywood podcast. He also does the Attaboy Clarence podcast. And most recently, which is what we're going to talk to him about, he has some exciting things coming down the line with a new film about horror pioneer Val Luton. If you're a listener of this podcast of any form, you have definitely heard us mention The Secret History of Hollywood multiple times because we do love this podcast. It is a fantastic podcast about a you know, silver screen era, you know, Hollywood's history, um, and is an inspiration to some of our innovations and, and whatnot. So we're really, really excited to have him on the podcast in a little bit. Really excited. <laughs> <laughs> so without further ado, this is our interview with Adam Roach, part one. Welcome back, Switches. We are going over the 1940 Academy Awards celebrating the film achievements of 1939 here with a very special guest. Uh, this is a guest that sort of we've wanted to have on the podcast for quite some time because we are immense fans of his work uh, with the Secret History of Hollywood podcast and with his Attaboy Clarence podcast, where he spotlights the histories and films of the golden age of Hollywood. Switches, please welcome to the show, Adam Roach. My pleasure to be here. Lovely to meet you both. How are you? It is an honor to have you, sir. Definitely. <laughs> honor to have you. Honor to be here. Thank you very much for having me. We are pleased. You are a bit of a indie podcast uh, inspiration, I think. Uh, oh, where, you know, you're sort of like looking at your, your journey of podcasting. It was like day job with a podcast. Uh, then you crowdfunded your way into doing podcasting as a career, correct? Yeah, yeah. And now you are a film producer actually going to create films from the podcast that you created in, you know, your living room. You know, that's that's quite an, <laughs> an, an incredible journey that you've been on. It's insane, really. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I remember like my, my working days used to be like 22 hours long because I was working as a chef, which, you know, isn't the most forgiving a job in no. terms of time um you'd start early in the morning have like a couple of hours off in the afternoon and then you'd finish really late at night and then i'd go home and have to write you know alfred hitchcock's life story and try and get it recorded <laughs> and source music and and then i was researching for warner brothers story and everything and yeah it was a, it was like three years of just oh god the the work i put into everything i was i was working while i was at work i was you know taking a break and reading something up so yeah, I mean now um 
yeah, I'm kind of living the dream, really. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> it really is. I, I don't understand how <laughs> that's it's awesome. happened. That's awesome. Thank Lots you. of smiling in the Rogue household uh, these days, I'm sure, yeah. The, wor- the work is much. paid off. It's it's an immense Thank amount you. of work, uh, yeah, that that is enjoyed very much, especially on this end of the uh, the Zoom call. <laughs> well, if that's I can... Very pig- kind. <laughs> if I can piggyback off what Corey was saying over here, um, when we... Because we are fans of your podcast, we listen to it. And what what I've always especially noticed, and I don't know if it if Corey's noticed as much as I have, like especially your newest podcast you put up, you put up hours and hours, twelve yeah. hour podcast on Cary Grant, mm. and mm. like how do you do the research for a twelve hour podcast? Well, well, it's like every, everyone goes, "Oh, why did you write it?" to be 12 hours and it was like i didn't really set out to do that i just you know I, when i'm when i was coming up with the format for carry grant it was i was going to do three parts it was going to be you know early life then the second part was going to be the career and then the third part was going to be what happened afterwards and the the career stuff when it comes to carry grant is surprisingly light i mean he just basically existed in hollywood didn't really live the life of a celebrity uh, and starred in movies, basically. Just became incredibly good at keeping himself to himself. So if you actually broke the story down, part one, his early life before Hollywood, would probably be about 50% of the story. His movie career is about 10% of the story. And then what happened afterwards is about 40% of the story. So there had to be a way of sort of balancing the parts. So I've in this series, I've... I'm going between times. I'm going between his early life and the career and the modern, modernish day, the eighties, you know, the sort of end of his life. Mm-hmm. And, um, it got to the point where I, I need to start the story when he was born, obviously. Um, and I want to write up to the point at the end of part one, where he finds out that his mother, um, is still alive. And it was just a case of writing and writing and building the story and building the story. And then all of a sudden I was like, Whoa, this is 212 pages. And I'm like, oh, it's, like double the length of anything I've done before. <laughs> uh, you know, I pr- I pruned it down and I, you know, got it down and and it was 12 hours, 40 minutes. And then I thought, well, the second part surely won't be, you know, <laughs> as, as long as that. Surely. Last words. It's 285 pages and I, <laughs> it's going to be about 17 hours long. Um, yeah, I didn't mean to, and it only covers about 10 years of his life. As well. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, to be honest. I just, yeah, it's just a bit of a whirlwind tornado writing process, and it just, it just pops out the other end. Now, however, will you then condense all of that into a two hour film? <laughs> this is the challenge. I'm glad to say, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, yeah. well, I'm working on the um, movie adaptation for shadows which oh. is uh, the val luton story and my favorite the, by the way thank you very my favorite much. series so so far yeah thanks that's really that's very kind the thing with shadows was every single val luton biography is so slight like there's one you know the reality of terror by Siegel, which is like you know 120 pages or something and most of it's just the movies and then there's the bantek biography which is massive but most of it's about you know his effect on people like Scorsese and um, you know Spielberg and everything, and Del Toro. It's not really about him. So went went back to um, the source basically. Went to the Library of Congress and um, my friend pulled all of these uncatalogued letters and diaries and everything that um, he'd written. 
and this stuff's never been seen before and it was just so easy to to look into these and find his voice and you know find the way he spoke to people and, and give him a soul for the first time so i think that's why they've said you know this is it's time now to do the Luton movie. We can finally do this biopic. Well, yeah, you, so, you've um, written the definitive biography of Val Luton now. <laughs> it's the, it's the yeah. It's a, <laughs> I, I hasten, I hasten to, to take you up on that compliment, but but it really is the the only time really that, that this stuff's ever been out there. So I'm really glad that people have listened to it and connected with him so much because he was such a creative, lovely, lovely man, and um, yeah. I really, really am sorry that his Hollywood career didn't last much longer than it did. <laughs> but the impact hope- is is forever, right? Like you talked about yeah. a lot of those filmmakers that were infinitely inspired by by his work, the short as it may have been. It's incredible because he w- he'd never got an Oscar. You know, there's no like I said at the end of the series, there's no star on Hollywood Boulevard for him. And yet, if you talk to any modern movie maker, especially those in the horror or fantasy genre they always cite Luton, you know, um, Pete Ramsey, who directed Into the Spider-Verse. We, we we connected on Twitter because of his love for Luton. And he's like, you know, he's always been a massive inspiration. Del Toro is always talking about Luton, Scorsese. You know, he, he screens Luton movies before he goes into production. The, the, the guys I'm working with on the Luton movie worked with him on Shutter Island and he screened Isle of the Dead for them before... They began filming. He's like, "This is the whole aesthetic we're going for," and um, he, he just—he's an absolute loot and nut. And, and yet, you know, no citations. Only made these eleven movies, and the impact, the footprint he's had on cinema is, is just incredible. So to bring his story to life on screen is is a dream come true. Hopefully, it's going to be <laughs> you know only add to his footprint, his legacy. <laughs> I'm I'm quite excited to see how how the journey continues with the uh, you know into production and and you know to see the actual final film itself because Luton for me was only sort of a, a kind of footnote in the sort of uh, like Hollywood history that I knew you know like mm. I I knew you know Cat People and and a, a few of the other movies just having seen them but I didn't really understand their significance through my own mm. sort of film you know history journey. Uh, until I listened to your podcast. And then I, I was like, I got to go back and watch. Like every time, you know, you, you'd cover a film, I'd be like, well, I got to pause. And now I got to go watch this movie. You know, now I got to pause. I got to go watch this movie. You know, uh, it was, it was quite a journey that like companion research to, you know, your um, uh, listening to, to, you know, you tell the story of Val Luton. Um, it, it's incredible. And, and that's the power of sort of like your podcast and the journeys you take your your listeners on, like it opened up an entire new world to somebody who thought themselves a movie fan at that point. You know, like there's this whole chunk of movie history and a filmmaker that is significant that I hadn't even really taken time to acknowledge or even look into, you know. Well, most of the time, the most inspiring filmmakers of any kind are so undervalued until someone comes along like you comes and puts a spotlight on them. So yeah. it's great that you're there to do that. If someone like you is there to actually point that spotlight, that's how other people, other generations will finally be able to get introduced to those films in the same way that Scorsese and these other great filmmakers were introduced in the in the first place. That's that's a great compliment. Thank you very much for both of you. That's very sweet of you. Yeah, if if not for you, I would I would still only be inspired by the auteurs that were inspired by him. (laughs) (laughs) No, we'll fix that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's why I'm I'm super excited to see then the film adaptation and and really to like 
now I'm now I'm a Val Luton fan. And so, like, I, I love that. Well, one one, I love that you are behind, you know, continuing the story into another medium that is, you know, going to be not to say that podcasts aren't widespread, you know, mainstream media, but uh, a film about the, the guy's life, you know, uh, in the same way that like Trumbo really reignited, uh, a, you know, a love for a, a, an auteur's work, that a writer specifically, because Brian Cranston played him in a movie, you know, and that started up a whole nother generation of finding out that, oh, there was this guy who was blackballed and, you know, or blacklisted and, and uh, wrote under pseudonyms, but was like, really winning those Oscars that were given to other people, you know, uh, Val Luton's story can be very much the same way. You know, now that it's taking the next step and, and be, you know, uh, becoming a, a concrete piece of visual art as well as the sort of audio art that you've already created. Yeah. You know? Well, thank you very much. I don't know about you, but anytime that, um, you become interested in someone, I always look for a movie on them. You know, because it's almost like the cliff notes, you know, you, you, yeah. you watch a movie and it gives you the story and then you can go and research further into the parts that, that interested you. And, you know, there are a couple of Luton things. I mean, Scorsese narrated Man in the Shadows, a documentary, but it's very, very, you know, it's all very light stuff, you know, it doesn't really delve into his personality very much. Um, but the the concept for the film that we're working on and the 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 sort of structure is um it's very unusual it's it sort of takes from lots of elements of the the podcast series including the folk tales um oh sweet yeah it's gonna be it, it, it <laughs> hasten to say it if we pull it off but um the you know, lita who i'm writing with and who's producing it uh she is just the biggest Luton nut in the world. So, I mean, it, it, half of our conversations are just, oh my God, yeah, do you remember that moment in Ireland? Yeah, oh my God. No, you know. So, um, that's great. And Brad, who's who's um, producing at New Republic, he is just the, I mean, he's such a Luton nut. He's got, you know, Bocklin paintings on his on his wall and he's just constantly, constantly, you know, sending texts. Oh my God, did you know he, you know, did you know he was working on Apache drums and he got the idea for the, like, did you know this? <laughs> so, so, um, yeah, they're like the biggest Luton fans. It's such a great pleasure to to work with them. They're just so nice. <laughs> oh, the right people found you is is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this and and it sounds like it was a recent thing as well. But um, we first started talking about because the series was optioned by <laughs> it was optioned by Eli Roth back in 2017, I would say 2017 or 18, um, and you couldn't really make it work, and the option expired and. <laughs> this is going to sound like such a weird thing, but I have an agent, right? <laughs> I'm right. a podcaster with an agent. This is the most weirdest thing ever. Uh, but, you and um, Jason Bateman. <laughs> <laughs> he just sold his podcast for eighty million. So, yeah. oh, okay, yeah, well, small potatoes. <laughs> joking. I haven't made any any money. But um, oh, you need to get Jason Bateman's yeah. podcast agent. <laughs> I definitely need her. Yeah, if you'd put me in touch. But um, she called up and said, um, we've got another offer, don't worry. I was like, oh, okay, great. And it was Brad and Nita. And it was, this was back in 2018, like halfway through the year. And like, all the way through lockdown, I kept thinking, well, I'm surely it's not going to happen now. It's not going to happen now, you know. Right. <laughs> because, you know, all these productions are shutting down. Why would they bother? The world but, um, stopped. Kept... Nothing's happening, yeah. Yeah. But, I, you know, I thought it was dead in the water. And then... You know, they, they kept calling, kept calling, sending emailing and stuff, and then 
soon as lockdown was over, it was like, great, here's a contract. <laughs> great. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, they're really they're really passionate about it. And they it's not just them either. They've got such big plans for the other series. Um yeah. Yeah, that that's the, the big exciting thing is that they've they're they optioned your entire secret history of Hollywood as their own separate IPs, right? They're their yeah. own properties that they're going to try to develop. That their plans for Bullets and Blood in particular. That one's uh, fantastic. My other favorite. That one's fantastic. <laughs> thank, you, thank you very Love much. Um, that that their plans for that are really really ambitious, and the names they they've got involved already are like you know you pinch yourself. It's very exciting. Mm. I, I can't say anything at the moment, but um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at if you look at some of the big bigger franchises in the world, um, put your finger into one of those and pull a pull a pull a powerful name out and. Um, yeah, I wish I could tell you. <laughs> Harrison yeah, Ford so, um, is Jack Warner. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's very exciting. It's very exciting. You know, um, if I could, I'm going to ask you a question uh, I, that I've always been wanting to ask you, actually. I, not that not that I always, cause I actually didn't think I was going to be, you know, talking to you, but <laughs> just a question I've always thought about your, <clears throat> about your podcast. Like, I always wondered if you were going to be putting out books because these always just seem like such great, like all the stuff you write down, I'm assuming you write these down before you before you speak them. No, they're all they're all just I just come out. <laughs> <laughs> He's just that knowledgeable. Yeah. He's that good. Yeah. Yeah, and the dialogue and everything is completely out yeah, yeah. <laughs> So um, no, yeah, no, I write them as books. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So I just always I wondered, like, what, have you ever thought about just putting these all out as just books, hardbound, like, hardback, just throwing them mm. out, or have you ever? Had a plan for that? Maybe before this all happened, all this great stuff has been happening. Maybe before that, did you have a plan for that? I used to. um, Before (laughs) before Eli Roth optioned the show, because he took the print rights as well. So that was kind of like, well, I I can't do that anymore. And then um, this this time as well, they've also got the book rights. So um, so since 2018, that sort of hasn't been a thing. But to be honest, I don't really know if they would work anymore. Um, and perhaps the older series would like Universe of Horrors I think would probably work as a book and Hunting Witches of Walt Disney I think that would work as a book Hitchcock maybe would work as a book but because um, ever since Bullets and Blood I went more dialogue driven and more biopic-y I don't think it would translate I think you kind of need the I don't know I mean to be honest it might be the fact I'm so jaded by (laughs) looking at these scripts now I I (laughs) you know I write them rewrite them read them rewrite them again and then record them and then in infinitesimal detail go through them and remove all my mouth clicks (laughs) you know all the flubs and swear words and and dogs (laughs) jumping on the bed and then um and then I you know go back through it again and put layer all the music and the effects and stuff and then put it out um, I, so by the time I'm finished with it, I'm kind of like, oh, I don't never want to see that. Again. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, um... <laughs> Here you have these long podcasts. I'm like, it's all the foley you're putting into it, and yeah. all the music from a from an engineer standpoint. That is just amazing how these come out. So thank you so much. That's a great compliment. Yeah. Um, how, how many but, how many hours would go into? Oh, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go for it. No, just, oh, I was you know, I was just gonna say like how how many hours would go into like. Before you you can condense it down into a six hour or twelve hour or whatever, like how many hours would you estimate go in prior to all of that? I mean, um, including writing or just engineering? yeah, yeah, like the, the whole pro. Like you're like I'm gonna do one on you know the Universal monsters. 
from idea yeah. to when it actually gets released, like months. Well, they used to be much simpler um, <laughs> because I was just going really through the films, which are just, you know, they're so easy to leap between. So, uh, but now uh, with <laughs> them, more life stories and they've gone more biopic -y. I have to find ways to go into scenes that keep the dramatic tension up or down and keep the emotional resonance, you know, along a certain level. You can't just go, and then they had an argument. Oh, and then he got in the car and drove to something. They had a burger, but you, know, <laughs> you kind of like, you have to keep the, um, you have to keep the, uh, what's the word? Like the mise en scene. It was a really wanky way of putting it, but you have to kind of like keep the audience as if, as if it's a movie, you know, you can't just, you know, it can't Keep be very engaged, clunky yeah. editing. Yeah, exact engagement. That's the one. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. But so, I mean, Carrie Part 2, I've been writing that since July last year. I think I finished writing it two weeks ago. Um, and that was a, every day for at least three or four hours a day. Wow. And then... Damn. And then, uh, blimey. So I've recorded, I think I've recorded 150 pages of it so far. But finding time to record here, I have three children and, you know, I, there's a noisy road and you can't record it in the daytime because the birds are so loud and stuff. <laughs> so it has to be overnight. So <laughs> it's just a nightmare here. Um, so that'll probably take about a week or a week or two more to, to finish the recording. But I'm already editing what I've recorded so far. So I'm, I'll be working on that all day, every day for three or four weeks just to edit it, just to yeah. get all the mistakes out and and. and you know, the silence is put in and stuff. And then the same amount of time again to put all the effects and music in. So probably another month before it's finished, finished, finished. Wow. That, that is yeah. dedication. I mean, uh, we really need to step up our game if we want to be that good. Because <laughs> <laughs> we have we have a few, like, uh, special types of episodes that we do. We do a, a Cinevasions that's kind of like a, a innovative cinematic things, you know, like... Uh, mm the optical printer and like pixelization in movies and, and all that kind of oh, stuff. Wow. And uh, those Amazing. were like a day of research and a day of writing. And then we record for two hours and condense it down into 15 exactly, minutes, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, uh, you know, not nearly it's, as it's dedicated. Not... <laughs> That'd be silly. <laughs> no, it's, uh, you know, if, if you're making the show you want to make, then it doesn't well, really matter how much you spend time you spend. I'm just, I am very, very, um, you know, OCD about everything I do. It's painful sometimes. I'm sure I could probably cut the time down by half if I wasn't such a such a prick about making sure that <laughs> the right the right words are being used in every single sentence and the cadence of each paragraph flowed a certain way. And you know, sometimes I spend 20 minutes trying to edit a, a throat click out. You know, so I go into spectral and I'm like trying to paint over this little it's, uh, crossfade. Crossfade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, crossfade. Crossfade is your friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, I'll just automate it later. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, what what made you uh, switch from the sort of like more? I mean, you you mentioned that like oh you were just kind of running through the films. Well, that's not necessarily true. Like one of the charms of your sort of narrative uh, structures from the early on even was that you would go through somebody's story life or whatever up to a certain point. They would meet a character, then you would kind of pull back and then go through that person's story to meet them back at that point uh, and then car carry on their story together. Like that, that was one of the things, you know, early on I was like, Oh, this dude's fucking Ken Burns of podcast right now. <laughs> I know, I, yeah. I hundred percent concur about that. Yeah. It was just like the Thank depths you. of storytelling that you're going into. Um, 
is what was engaging to me, even in you know those earlier earlier things. What what made you then shift to more of a you know biopic uh, with dialogue and like setting scenes and stuff that color around the actual history? Well, uh, bullets and blood, really. Um, I think everyone sort of develops a style as they go along. I think, sure. I think, like, I, I, I don't want to sound too pretentious, but it sound it feels to me now like I'm writing the way I should have been writing all along. You know, before I, I look at my scripts from the earlier ones and I kind of go, "Wow, I could have developed that a bit more. I could have worded that a bit better, or, or something." But um, in Bullets and Blood, there was just no way of of writing the the way I was. Um, like if you look at Universe of Horrors, you know, I talk about Night Monster for for ten minutes, and then I go, <laughs> and the next movie was blah, 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 you know, and the next and the next movie was Secret of the Blue Room. This star, blah, 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 blah. I'm just basically just going through. But it was easy to layer the the stories and go into side roads with that because you can jump out at any point, you know, as long as you get back there straight away, right. But um, with Bullets and Blood, there was there was just no way of doing that because I, I started off going, I'm going to do Universe of Gangsters. This is this was my concept for it, you know. Universe of Horrors, but with gangsters. I love gangster movies. So I do James Cagney, of course. So you know, I have to tell the Warner Brothers story. So I'll do, I'll do a quick five minutes on that at the beginning. So I started looking into the story. Right, what do I do? Right, Pogrom riot. <laughs> sure, five oh, minutes. my goodness me. Yeah, no, <laughs> like four days later, I was storying the story. Going, oh, my God. No, this is the story I should be telling. But um, there was just no way of doing that in in the style that I had been doing. You can't say. So then Jack Warner and Harry Warner had an argument. But across town, Lisa Basquette was thinking about jumping out of a window. But then Jack Warner was chasing him through the thing. There was just no way of doing their story without like fleshing them out a bit, making it a bit more dramatic, keeping the beats you know waving along. Right. So uh, it, I, they just it, my my writing style evolved on that on that series and then I did an, a series about Audrey Hepburn and the, the same the same thing happened it was it was like you can't you could you could say she suffered during the war but far more interesting to humanize her and actually mm-hmm. place yourself alongside her as she's going through these trials you know um uh, yeah so I think my writing style's just evolved I think it's gotten to that point now where I'm literally alongside Cary Grant through these really tender small moments of his life which (laughs) have been incredibly hard to find but um but it is sort of humanizing him far more than a than a simple list of the movies he made it's very hard to explain I'm sorry I'm rambling (laughs) no no no. humanizing the historical figures is perfect yeah absolutely yeah, I mean, even the there, there's been quite a few biographies of him in the past year, but they're they're still the same kind of thing, you know. They're all they're all. Uh, he starred in this movie, and during production, he met Catherine Hepburn, and you know they became great friends. But they didn't really affect their next production. And it's like, hang on, hang on, hang on. You've just skipped that in six months. What happened during that <laughs> six months? So finding out, you know, what happened during that six months is the 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 trial because no one really knows. He was so private. But if you read the biographies of other people, like if you look into the Randolph Scott story, you can find out what was going on. If you look into the Virginia Cheryl story, you can find out what was happening during the six months. And all of a sudden you're looking at, you know, another three hours of a podcast because you know, <laughs> what, he, yeah. he rammed someone's car in jealousy. What? <laughs> I need to find out about that. <laughs> so, so when you're looking for research on subjects like Cary Grant, what are your main sources? Um, I have an extensive library of biographies, um, studies. I mean, 
you can't see it from here, but it's overflowing, basically. <laughs> thousands and thousands of books. The problem is cross-referencing. Like I say, if I'm talking about Cary Grant, he did actually write an autobiography. So you've got this very, like, empty framework, basically. It's very, very brief. Then I got married, and then we got divorced. Then, then I... Then it's about you know 15 pages long and it's his whole life it's like, so but it gives you a, a framework of his life so it, you know I can take each line and say okay well he was in Santa Monica at the time and if I look through my other books I can find who else was in Santa Monica at the time and you know did you know suddenly you'll find a mention of him at a party so you can say right he was at a party on this day it, it it's a very laborious and very painstaking process but it's it's almost like you don't look for one story you look at every single story at once and say where do they cross over um and then once i find those crossover moments i have to then go looking for corroborating <laughs> evidence in in either you know documentaries uh interviews um the library of congress is great for just just for news articles and things um and my friend brooke works there and she's you know, always pulling things and sending them, scanning them, and sending them over. Oh, you got an inside person. That's good. It's mm. always good. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> we'll, we'll bleep her um, name for national security. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I actually. Uh, Nicholas Cage is going to go steal all of your research material. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, <coughs> so once I've got like that, you know, I know where he was at this party. Then I'll get this huge pile of. These are pretty much the decent Cary Grant Damn. biographies. Oh, see, I was going to ask, like, there's got to be dog ears and notes and post-its yeah. and everything, and I mean, I've margin got, notes you know, and highlights. Stuff. Got, and yeah, I've got like photos of people shoved in everywhere, and look, so many bookmarks and post-it notes. So then I'll go through every one of those, and then see what they said about that party. And you know, only three of them will mention it, and then but two of them will have a story about the party, and one of them we'll have a different story about it. So then I have to go and find out which was right out, you know, uh, and then basically you, 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 you paint a picture as you go along. For a Hollywood history buff, that seems kind of like a dream come true to be able to just do this. <laughs> well, to, to, it to, does. To get to the Patreon, you know, to do it as a full-time job. Like it needed to be, you know, uh, funded <laughs> as a full-time job for you to be able to, to, grasp all of that stuff out of thin air mm. basically i would love to be able to do that just <laughs> oh that. yeah and it and i i have to credit the the people who signed up for my patreon because they keep me fed and uh, a roof over my head every every month so i can do it so um so yeah i'm incredibly grateful to them yeah they're very kind they they kind of made my dream come true so yes <laughs> you hear that, like. listeners? <laughs> <laughs> you you make podcasters' dreams come true. <laughs> awesome. Well, that concludes our interview with podcaster Adam Roach. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week with part two, where we will go over all the best actors of 1940. Adam Roach will be back to throw out some knowledge for us. Corey, how'd you feel about that interview? That was a highlight of my podcasting career, Jeff. Awesome.
Yeah, I I hope that that you you all had as much fun as as we did. Go listen to his podcasts um, if you are even the slightest bit of a movie fan because you're listening to this podcast. I'm pretty sure you're you're a movie fan. Uh, His world building and storytelling will uh, blow you away if you haven't already subscribed uh, to his podcasts. And, you know, look forward to a lot of really cool stuff coming from our guest, Adam Roach. Make sure to go to switchtheenvelope.com for all your Switch the Envelope needs. If you want to hit us up on social media, please go to Instagram at Switch the Envelope or on Twitter at Switch Envelope. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe, and we will see you next week, folks. Until next time, Switches, go see some of those movies. And uh, yeah, we'll see you later, Switches. See you next time, Switches. Switch the Envelope is a Riff Laugh production. All episodes written and produced by Corey and Jeff. Switch the Envelope was mixed and mastered at Studio 85.